Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. We begin a series today entitled Mic Drop. I know many of you thought, man, we were supposed to start that last week, but I just really felt the Holy Spirit drop an entirely different message uh, on my heart last week. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that the Holy Spirit is in control of. Amen. Amen. And uh, he can do more than, than, than we can ever hope or imagine. And uh, we're, just, we're just pumped to have you with us here this summer. Got a lot of great things going on. You're going to want to stay connected and be a part. Cool? Okay, now you may sit there and go, okay, mic drop. Why, what in the world is the series mic drop? What is a mic drop? This is the Webster's Dictionary of a mic drop. It's an instance of deliberately dropping or tossing aside one's microphone at the end of a performance or speech one considers to have been particularly impressive. We've clearly never had a mic drop moment here at this church, so, but... Wait, wait just a second. We're going to have some mic drop moments right now. You see, the mic drop became really famous in the 80s and 90s with comedians and rappers. And they would make a statement and they would, they would drop the mic. Well, let, let me just show you a little bit of what we're talking about. Is, is that okay? Okay. You don't sound like you're ready for this. Where's my 80s and 90s people at? Run DMC, come on somebody, Beastie Boys. This is either going to be awesome or a huge mistake. Pinky ring, here we go, okay. Let's start with some mic drop statements. Let me start us off easy, okay? The only acceptable family pet is a dog. Cats are only good with mustard. There you go, mic drop. Okay, that didn't hit, let's keep going. Mic drop statement. Um, um, I've been asked the question many times, pastor, we know you're an outdoorsman, you are a, a hunter, how can a man of God, this is an actual question, how can a man of God shoot animals? Easy, it's, it's like this. Okay, all right, all right, let's keep, wow. You said this would be funny. Let's go easy, okay? All right, Coke is better than Pepsi. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, one more, one more, one more, one more, okay. How many Texas Longhorn fans in the house? Come on, hook them horns, raise them up. Problem is we're from Oklahoma. We've, been, we've only been able to do this right here. Number one, or this right there. So, okay. There. I, think I, I think I equally offended just about everybody in the house. Well, Jesus was also known as the rock of offense. So there you go, right? All right. No, no, no. Okay, so mic drop moments. Jesus had many mic drop moments in scripture and in Matthew chapter 5 he is he is trying to help people walk out walk out what it means to to follow the law you see in those days you had Pharisees who were really good at keeping the law or at least they they had the look right 
And I think we have a problem in the modern church here today is we, we are really good at looking the part. Let me say this, we, we, are, good at, we are good at looking right, but, but sometimes we're not real good at acting right. Does that make sense? So Jesus is trying to really help people follow the word of God, the law of God. And, and he, he goes and says this, he says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, or, or your version might say, but I say, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister, and I want you to make note of that, he, he refers to brothers or sisters, will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, or your, your head is empty, is unanswerable, is answerable to a court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar first and go be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So six times there's this, there's this concept where Jesus says, you have heard. But then he comes back and says, but I say. But I say, ultimately what Jesus was doing here is this. He says, listen, I'm the one, I'm the law, I'm the word, I'm the one who has the final authority. Again, you had people of that day looking at Pharisees, the religious leaders going, man, I, I wish I could be as good as them. Let me say it this way. We have to be careful when our example is a man or a woman. Those aren't bad, but our ultimate example is Jesus. Can I have an amen? And, and Jesus ultimately is saying, he said, you've, you've heard this. That looks good, but, but this is really how it's walked out. In fact, I, I, I kind of I bungled up the statement, but let me say this again. We've perfected the look, but we've neglected the practice of God's word. Can I say that again? I think we've perfected the look but let's be careful about neglecting the practice of God's word. And, and, and he shows us how, we, how we're to walk this thing out. Now, let me give you context here. Uh, he's talking to people who are followers of God, and he says this. He, he refers to anyone who is angry with a brother or sister. Doesn't that sound like church language right there? Brother. Sister. Or if the King James, it's Brethren. Or cistern? I don't know. Does it, or is, I don't know what is it there. Okay, sorry. But you know what Jesus was saying? He was saying, listen, this is how we are supposed to treat one another. Let me take it just a little bit step further. Sometimes I come into church and I need something that's going get to me, get me through what's going on out there. And I think if we're not careful, sometimes we're, we're looking for fuel and ammunition and, and spiritual food that's going to get me Monday through Friday, when in reality is if I can't practice it in here, there's no way I can practice it out there. And so, and so we need help with that. Um, today, we're going to tackle the subject right off the bat. Jesus talks about anger. So, so anger and discord and disunity, listen to this, amongst my brothers and sisters. The people of God should handle angry issues and discord and disunity better than anybody else. 
And the last place we need to get our example of how to handle it is out there. Amen? Let your pastor be your pastor for just, just a minute here. And, and many of you have heard me say this. I, I, I'll just be real honest. The, the world is ridiculous. And I've had more people come to me go, can you believe what's going on in the world? That's just, it's just crazy. Absolutely. Read the world. Read the word. And it's going to get worse. We shouldn't be surprised. But what we need to be careful of is that the practices of out there tend to find their way in here. We've got to be careful of that. We've got to be careful of that. So as we begin to unpack this passage of Scripture, there's two things that I want us to, 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 to walk away today from this. And this is the one that we really got to be honest about. Scripture shows us here, we will answer for our anger. Jesus says it, but I tell you. That's his mic drop moment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You know, Jesus was saying, you know what? We, we think it's if, if I just, if I can put on a mask, you know, if I can talk about them behind their back and they don't even know about it, then, then I'm somehow, some way going to be okay. And, and, and Jesus is saying, listen, if you hate them, if you're angry with them, uh, in fact, 1 John even talks about this. It's as if we are a murderer. What we're really good at doing inside the church is we, we, um, we grade our sins, don't we? Well, this sin is worse than that one, so I'm okay. I'm going to hold, at least I'm not murdering them. And Jesus, ultimately what he does in these mic drop moments is he, he removes all excuses for our bad behavior. I can excuse my behavior better than anybody. Can I have an amen in the house, Right? If I act this way, well, it's because this happened. If I, if I respond that way, it's because this happened. And Jesus absolutely, for a believer, removes all, removes all excuses of just acting the way we want. Do you realize nowhere in Scripture does it say, follow your heart? Listen, there's a lot of self-help statements and people out there going, follow your heart, do what makes you feel good. None of that is scripture. In fact, the scripture does say, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Anger. What is he talking about anger in that moment? The original language, it means to, to make angry or enraged. But ultimately what Jesus is talking about is an anger that is nursed. It's an anger that, that um, I hold on to. Can I say this? Some of us hold on to anger because if we let go of it or allow the Holy Spirit to deal with it or heal us from it, we won't know how to act otherwise. We've been so entrenched in our operating system, which is anger or hurt or unforgiveness so long that if it's gone, we're, we're, we're afraid of, uh, of what's, going to, uh, what's going to happen to us. And Jesus says anger that is nursed, anger that we hold on to, anger that is, that is on the verge of snapping. Anger, a recent medical journal, journal pointed out can be tied to, to some health issues, high blood pressure, insomnia, anxiety, and even depression. So, so listen to this. Anger is not just bad for the body of Christ. Anger is bad for this body, right? 
um, we need to let go of anger, allow the Holy Spirit to heal us or deal with that root cause of the anger, not just for the good of the body of Christ, but for our own health. Can I have an amen? Now, now listen, sometimes when, when preachers preach a message like this, I can, I can already tell you that there's a certain percentage of people that are in here today, or maybe you're watching online, and you're already saying, well, well, well pastor, you don't know what I've gone through. And, and you're right, I don't. But I do know you, have, you don't know what I've gone through. And, and the truth is, I have found the more that the body of Christ gets to know one another, we realize our stories are not that unique. That we're not the only one that deals with it. In fact, I'm going to pause here for just a moment. Don't ever let the devil think that you are on an island and alone and you're the only one who's gone through what you've gone through. In fact, if we will do what we're supposed to do and have healthy relationships with inside the body of Christ, we'll find that there are other people who've been through the same things we have and can help us walk through those things. In fact, we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. Paul says this, Ephesians 4. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. I love that because the apostle Paul is not saying you're never going to be angry. (laughs) aren't you glad that there's not a camera in your car on the way to church right that how many of you have ever had um let's just say it intense fellowship on the way to church then you get out of the car and here we are brothers and sisters don't feel bad okay um Paul doesn't say you're never going to be angry. We are going to be angry. We're going to have plenty of opportunity to be angry. If you have a pulse, at some point you will be angry. Amen? It's going to happen. He says, but but in your anger, do not sin. Anger does not have to lead to sin. We need to acknowledge when we're angry and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. And then he says this, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, ultimately, what he's saying, he said, deal with it properly and quickly. But sometimes, how many know there's a good time to deal with it and a bad time to deal with it? Have you been married long enough to realize that you and your spouse are different in many ways? (laughs) And not just the obvious. I am an external processor. I talk about an issue because I'm processing it. That doesn't necessarily mean I want feedback. (laughs) I didn't say I didn't need feedback. How many of you wives have a husband who's an external processor? But my wife is so painfully godly. Anybody have a painfully godly spouse? She's an internal processor, meaning my wife is going to stop. She's going to think She's going to pray. She's going to let the Holy Spirit deal with her. So all the time that I'm like a fire hydrant of of words, which is dangerous. Why? Because the Bible says this, where words are many, sin is sure. I don't know who needs to hear this today, and this is going to sound somewhat crass, but it's not meant to be. Maybe a sign of your spiritual growth and the Holy Spirit is working in you is your ability to shut your mouth. 
I just feel the Holy Spirit, maybe somebody needed to hear that, maybe somebody close to you, maybe it is your spouse, the fact that they are not as outbursty as they used to be could be that the Holy Spirit's dealing with them on issues. Amen? Amen? We're different. I'm an external processor. She's an internal processor. So in the moment, many times, it's not the way to handle it. But my wife is really good at when we're going to bed at night, and about the time I'm going to turn the light off, you know, I've been thinking. <laughs> and that's code for that light's not getting turned out for a little while. Can I have an amen in the house, right? But what Paul is saying, he said, listen, deal with it, deal with it appropriately, and deal with it quickly, as quickly as you can. Why? Because if we don't, then he goes on to say this, you give the devil a foothold. A foothold. That is a powerful word in the, in the original language. That, that word means an opportunity. In fact, in some derivations of that word, it means a, a city. A, a, let me use a military term. Any military folks in the house, you give them a forward operating base into your life. A base of operations. And that is so true. Because anger affects every area of our life. If you read scripture, anger is also a sign of a lot of other problems. Well, why is it a sign of a lot of other problems? Because it gives the devil a base of operations in your marriage, uh, in our marriage, with our kids, in our job. Could it be that the problem is not our spouse? Could the problem really be the, the reality is is the the problem is not our boss or the last five bosses spiritual maturity oh lord help me there are moments when we come to the realization that we have given the devil a foothold in our life listen to me and maybe the problem is not them it's us and I don't say that to be mean here today. I say that to mean this. Some of you may be sitting here today going, man, pastor's, pastor's on a roll this morning, man. He's, listen to me. Um, God doesn't speak the language of guilt. That's not his vocabulary. What he does speak in the language of conviction. So instead of being mad at this pastor or the last pastor or the next pastor, oh, I'm about to set somebody free here today. Maybe it's not guilt you're feeling, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit, amen? And here's the best part about that. The goal is not for us to feel bad. The goal is for us to heal and get free, amen? It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So, so thank the Lord if, if you're here today and maybe you're feeling conviction. Man, don't be upset with that. That's God saying freedom is this way. Freedom is this way. And, and first of all, we need to be thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But maybe you're here today and you have done what you've wanted to do for so long. You have, quote unquote, followed your heart, done what makes you feel good, said what was on your mind. And you'd be real honest and you'd say, well, Jamie, I don't feel the Lord anymore. Let me break it down for you this way. The moment you and I say yes to Jesus Christ, Scripture says that the Holy Spirit comes to live within the inside of us. That's why the Apostle Paul said that our spirit testifies with his spirit that we are the children of God. So if you are a believer here today, you have the manifest presence of God living on the inside of you. Amen? And he'll speak to us. He'll guide us. 
He'll empower us. Somebody say amen here today. Let me tell you why that's important. If you go way back to the book of Zechariah, they were looking at the, the rubble of, of, of the temple, and they were looking, how in the world is this going to be put back together? And the word of the Lord was this, it'll happen this way, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If you're here today and you were angry and you were frustrated and maybe you're having these realizations that, that man, it's, it's, it's more you than, than anybody else, and you have these moments where maybe you want to recoil in guilt or run towards the freedom that comes with God, and you're asking, how, Pastor? how not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the lord amen god is committed to you committed to you philippians 1 6 we quote it all the time he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion listen you and i are works in progress in matthew 5 again jesus is talking to people that were looking at pharisees going i'll never be that holy I'm never going to be that spiritual. And Jesus says, you're right, you won't. But Jesus was ultimately saying, but I am on your behalf. Amen. Amen. But we will answer for our anger. Anger and murder are the same in the eyes of God. Hatred and murder are the same in the eyes of God. The answer to racism is Jesus. Amen. The answer to getting along with my neighbor is Jesus. Amen. The answer for getting along with our family is Jesus. And we will answer for our anger. Jesus says that's, that's how we walk this thing. That's how we walk this thing out. James 1.20 because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You see, there's godly anger and there's human anger. Human anger, bad. Godly anger, good. Godly anger motivates us to get up and do something in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Woodlake family, I got to brag on you. Uh, you have responded. In fact, I, when, when the war in Ukraine broke out, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church and a part of the Assemblies of God, our missions, uh, that we've been a part of missions for so long that we didn't have to start doing something. We have already been doing something for years. For years. Amen? Why? But many of us were motivated. We saw what was going on. That was injustice. That's not of the Lord. We're, we're going to move. Uh, I can tell you, you have been involved in things all over Tulsa County. Why? Because we were motivated. We were, we were angry at the situations of, of sin and addiction. And I'm so thankful in the first service today about these first four rows where we're green country, adult and teen challenge. Give them a huge round of applause here today. We were angry at what the devil is doing in the lives of people, and that motivates us to change. Listen, but there is a human anger that does not lead to the righteousness of God. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit to know the difference sometimes. Amen? Amen? Am I angry or am I just annoyed? Is this of God or did they just vote differently than I did? Lean in. Some of us are going to be shocked when we get to heaven. And the Lamb of God, Jesus himself, was not a Republican <laughs> or a Democrat or anything else. Amen? And our walk with the Lord should supersede 
our political affiliation. Can I have an amen in the house here today? Amen. 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 Notice how the claps are getting less and less. That's how you know it's good, all right? Well, we're already there. Just let me keep going. My wife and kids are on vacation. I'm joining them this afternoon. And uh, she said, who's going to be in the front row to raise their eyebrows at you? Normally, she sits right there. She's my, so Kendall's eyes are up. That doesn't have the same effect. (laughs) Let me say this, and and I'm being for real. Um, We are the people of God, amen? Christ in us, Paul says, is the hope of glory. When you, Woodlake family, go to a restaurant this afternoon and that waiter or waitress doesn't serve you the way you need to serve them, listen, you be a believer. Let me say, make sure your face looks like you're a believer. (laughs) Amen? Well, Jamie, I'm not going to give them a tip. How about we stop tipping people for their service and we tip them because we're sowing seed into their life. Amen? It changed your reality. Everybody amen and real loud are former waiters and waitresses. <laughs> amen? Why? Why would I do that? If you go to the certain big box store today and you're waiting in line and you are frustrated because somebody cut you off in the parking lot and, 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 and maybe, maybe don't follow them to the next parking space giving them the stink eye the whole time. Maybe we just say, Lord, it's in your hands. Some of us as believers need to allow the Holy Spirit to fix our face. To fix our face. During the wintertime this year, I, many of you know I had a beard earlier this year, and I don't know what happened. One day I got, I got prideful. I wanted to be like my friend Brad here ultimately, but I got prideful one day, and I shaved it into this glorious mustache. Not a mustache, a mustache. I was so proud of it. I mean, it was like handlebars, Sam Elliott. I don't even know what it was. I'm proud of it. I walk out of the bathroom, not five steps out of the bathroom, Brad. Jen goes, turn around and go fix your face right now. It was actually our date night. We were going to go out on a date. I'm like, honey, please. (laughs) How many of you husbands still talk to your wife like you're like two years old? But (laughs) she goes, fix your face. (laughs) What am I trying to say? Some of us need the Holy Spirit to sound like Jen. Go fix your face. Why? Why do we need the help of the Holy Spirit? Why? We have the joy of the Lord on the inside of us. Amen? We have the peace of God which transcends understanding. We got the hope of God in Christ Jesus on the inside of us. We have every reason for our faces to show the love and glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Instead of anger. Here's... Here's the final thing I want us to get. Reconciliation. Now, this is the part of the message that I'm going to be honest with you. I had to stop and repent. If you think your pastors don't prepare a message, you think we live this stuff out, I'm preaching to me like I'm preaching to you this morning. And I had to stop on this part. Reconciliation is our responsibility. Would it be great if everybody that did us wrong would immediately recognize it and come fall at our feet, bearing gifts, (laughs) tears streaming down their face, kissing our pinky ring. But that's not gonna happen, is it? 
You may be here today and you have been wounded. And again, I'm not trying to make light of any wound. Some of us have been seriously wounded and wronged. So let's walk through this. Jesus says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Here's what's interesting. Jesus considered it far more important to be reconciled to a brother or sister than to perform a religious duty. That's the, that's the acting versus practicing. Paul says this in Romans 12, 18, if it is possible. Everybody say, if it is possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I, I love the fact that the Apostle Paul even connects with this in this moment. It is not always possible. There are moments where we need to pray and say, Lord, I need you to work on that individual at some point. I need you to work on this situation. How many of us have found that the Holy Spirit is never static? The Holy Spirit is always active. If you read Scripture, both the Old and the New Testament, God is always already on site and always working on someone. Has the Holy Spirit ever worked on you for something for a long time before it manifested? Paul says this, as far as it depends on you, if it is possible. There are moments it is not possible. But then he says this, live at peace. That word in the original language, it's, it's, it's a weighty word. It means this, behave peacefully. Behave peacefully. Everybody pull your toes in, okay? Behave peacefully. Again, the context, Matthew 5, Jesus is talking to believers. Behave peacefully. We have a behavior issue. We need to behave peacefully. That means when I see that person coming, I need to muster up bare minimum people skills. I need to smile. But Jamie, I, 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 we'll, we'll get to this in just a moment. Uh, we need to at least do some proper, how you doing? I'm doing well. Did you see the PGA tournament? No. Can you believe the weather? Okay, you know. Listen, I, I think we need to have some bare minimum people skills tests in the church, right? Lord, I need your help sometimes. As far as you, let me say this. I, I need to be nice. That person this afternoon, whatever store or restaurant you go to, they don't need a piece of your mind. They don't need it. You probably can't afford it. I'm preaching to me more than I'm preaching to you, okay? But I'm right. How many of us have been married long enough to know that you can be right and still be wrong? You, you've heard me say this before, but I think most believers need to delete their Facebook accounts. It grieves me how many relationships are destroyed because of a back-and-forth argument on social media that is not only wrong it's sad and embarrassing scripture says we're going to be held accountable for every idle word don't make the disconnection from here to here well jamie i'm right i'm right 
They're pro-choice. They believe in killing babies, and the Bible's absolutely against that. By the way, the Bible's absolutely against that. I'm going to let them have it. I'm right. We need to be righteous before we are right. Does that make sense here today? And never negate the power of the Holy Spirit. Personal testimony. When I came to Christ, I was in high school. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I used to love to argue. I didn't even care what the issue was. I didn't even care about the position. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You are that kind of I used to love to stir the cauldron. Right? I wanted to get, if you had this position, I'm going to take this position. Why? Because I like to argue. And if I thought you were wrong, I, 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 I just, I, I'm going to sink my teeth into that. And we're going to argue. But I remember when I made a full surrender to God, and the entire time I was in church every week, by the way. I grew up in this thing. But when I made a full surrender to the Lord and the Holy Spirit's living on the inside of me, you see, the job of the Holy Spirit is to make me act like Jesus. And I can remember trying to get into arguments with people. Well, I'd start to get into, or someone would wrong me, and I, I would, boy, I was really, really good at making statements. But when I got saved, those statements began to bother me. And you know what helped me grow? I got tired of having to go back and apologize. I mean, the Holy Spirit wouldn't even let me sleep anymore. I would have to get up, make the phone call. If it was with my parents, I'd have to go talk to my parents. There was just, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Well, what was happening is because the Holy Spirit was pushing out the flesh of Jamie and producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, starts with what? Love. Reconciliation is our responsibility. You say, Jamie, I, I can't act like somebody I'm not. I, I can't be fake. I, I, listen, uh, that's, that's great, but here's the good thing about it. We're not supposed to be like anybody else. We're not supposed to be fake. We're not supposed to be like something we're not. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Matthew 18 even gives us a way to kind of walk this dissension thing out. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. Matthew 18, if your brother or sister sins, first of all, can I challenge this church family with this? Let's make sure if, it's, if we're going to practice Matthew 18 that, number one, we have in fact been sinned against. Being sinned against and being annoyed are two different things. And why? Jesus has to keep it between uh, the two of you. Sometimes that brother or sister doesn't even know. Have you ever hurt somebody's feelings and didn't know about it? I have. So, so when we keep it between us, we're avoiding bring, bringing shame and continued discord. Keep the matter between the two of you. Why? Because the goal is restoration and reconciliation. That's the ultimate goal. And also this, if I talk to other people instead of that person, then it's gossip. We don't call it gossip in church. We call it prayer requests. <laughs> we call it getting wisdom. And Jesus says, if you want to handle these things properly, this is how you do it. Matthew 18. Go to that person. Not a passive-aggressive post. 
You see, we can disagree in the body of Christ and we can still be kind to one another. Amen. President Ronald Reagan, the 40th president of the United States, was really known for his mic drop moments. In one particular election, he's quoted as to saying this, I'm not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. It's pretty good, isn't it? He was known for saying this, the most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Is really known for this one. If we ever forget that we're a nation, uh, that we are one nation under God, we will be a nation gone under. How many of you've heard that one? 1985, height of the Cold War, and some of you, if you were raised in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, we lived with this mentality that the USSR was going to come and take over our country. In fact, I'm going to say a statement. Wolverines! Anybody? No? Rocky IV? I must break you. Why? Every movie was about the Russians coming to us. We lived with that. Why? The Cold War was this. We were enemies, but we weren't going to talk about it. And everybody knew that the fingers were on the nuclear buttons. That was it. And things got worse and worse and worse until two leaders decided we need to talk about it. The Geneva Summit, 1985. Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev come together to have these talks, recognizing that the way that they were continuing these two superpowers would not only be not, not good for the countries, not, wouldn't be good for the world. It's interesting, an article I read recently kind of broke down that conversation and, and how it started. And it is said that Ronald Reagan looked at Mikhail Gorbachev and simply said this, let me ask you a question. If the United States were attacked by aliens from outer space, would you come to our aid? Mikhail Gorbachev said, absolutely we would. But then he reciprocated the question, if aliens from outer space were to attack us, would the United States come to our aid? And he said, absolutely. Now, it was a hypothetical problem. What it got them on was common ground. Does that make sense? Again, the context of Matthew 5, Jesus is talking to believers, how we treat one another, how we act within the room. May I remind this church family with this, we have common ground. That is Jesus and his cross and that his blood took away our sin. Anybody still thankful for that here today? Amen. And his word. And his word. Well, Jamie, I don't believe the word. Then you're not a believer. That's simple. But we have common ground as believers. And if, if I have ought with you and you have ought with me, the first thing we need to recognize is that we have the same Savior, the same blood, and we're part of the same family. And we have an obligation 
to deal with our anger in a correct manner. Amen? Reconciliation. Uh, let me end it with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Why would we want to reconcile? Well, man, that's what God does. It says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Anybody thankful that your sins were not counted against you? And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. Does that sound familiar to somebody in the house here today? As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, before we can be reconciled to each other, we need to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, I'm not asking if you have religion or you've been to church. I, I'm going to ask this question. It's very poignant and we do it every week. Where do you stand with God through his son, Jesus Christ? Have you accepted by faith what Jesus Christ did for, on the, did for us on the cross? And in fact, I say it this way, that God loved us so much he gave his only son I, in fact, I say it this way all the time, that this simply this, that God loves us and there's nothing we can do about it. The, world, the word says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, can I invite you to say yes to him? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and simply close your eyes here today. If you're new with us, we do this every week. I, I just pause and ask, the, ask everybody to say, Lord, what do I need to hear today? But if you're here and you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you'd say, Jamie, I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want to be made new here today. If that's you on the count of three, just raise your hand. Put it up. You can put it right back down. And then we're all going to pray. We're all going to pray today. If that's you, Jamie, you say, Jamie, I need to say yes to Jesus. Would you raise your hand on the count of three? Here we go. One, two, three. That's me. I need to be forgiven of my sin. We've had people responding all day today. Anybody in the house? If you're watching online, Pastor Dennis is right there ready to pray with you. Let him know about the decision you're making here today. I'm going to lead us in this prayer. If you're a guest with us here today, if you're saying yes to the Lord, we do this every week. Just let me be your pastor for about another 60 seconds. If you're saying yes to the Lord, would you just let me lead you in this prayer? Everyone say it. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Come into my life, forgive me, and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray. Amen. At Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat. The messages are straight from God's Word. They're very practical. We also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.